Hello everyone and welcome back to Local Legends with Lark Farley. I'm your host Lark. A little bit about the podcast if you're new. Basically, I share with you all stories that took place in my small hometown, Brown County in Indiana. These stories range from true crime to the paranormal and everywhere in between. If you'd like to share your own hometown stories, you can email me at locallegendswithlark at gmail.com. As always, all of the articles used in today's episode will be in the description should you want to check them out for yourself. All right, let's get into it. I hope your guys' October has been going well and that you've been enjoying the spooks and the ghoulies. As I've stated multiple times, October is my favorite month. It's my favorite season and I love it oh so much. Today's story is another monster one, which you know I love. We've covered aliens, we've covered ghosties, we've covered good old Mr. Bigfoot, and now we're going to be delving into a very interesting monster hysteria story. When I tell you that a whole town became insanely infatuated to the point of obsession with this monster, I am not exaggerating. This story is insane, not just because of the details of the monster involved, but because of how the town reacted to it, to the point where they had to have a city, listen to this, city-wide police-mandated policy that no one was allowed outside after dark. Because people went insane. With bats and guns and hammers. And it was just a citywide hysteria related to this monster. It's like the movie, you know, like those old monster movies you go to the drive-in to see? Like, that's the vibe in this story. And I'm so excited to break it down and cover it with you all like we always do. This one was so much fun to research. I don't think I've ever had more fun researching a episode that I had with this one. I mean, when I tell you I was reading articles with like, you know, those like newspaper bold, fonted, huge type formatted newspaper stories. It's like, woman dies in dramatic drowning. You know, like that type of thing. It's like that, but with monsters. Monster hysteria leads to police mandated rulings that you can't go out after dark and it's like woman sees monster blah it's just it was so dramatic oh i'm here for the drama i'm here for the tea so let's break it down together so let's get into it and start from the beginning and we're just gonna break it down and then we're gonna do what we always do where you know we like go through all the news and the stories and the deets and then we say what could it have been what do we think it is and kind of give our own opinions so Grab your favorite beverage, grab your favorite cozy blanket, and let's get into it. This case, we're going to be covering the Mill Race Monster. Inner Center Stage, our star, the Mill Race Monster. This story is interesting for several, several reasons that we're going to get into. Number one, though, is that we have a plethora of eyewitnesses to this monster. This wasn't just a one and done type incident. This 
Mill Race Monster was the star of the show, and he needed everyone in the town to make sure that they understood who he was. Okay, he's not here to play games. He is here to lead his role. And so he wanted everyone to know of his existence, apparently, because we have a lot of eyewitnesses who all back up each other's stories, and all of the details of said stories are the same. And what's even more interesting is none of them knew of each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like they were all friends and saw this monster at the same time. Nay, nay. Different times a day, different people who didn't know that the other people had reported it. So it's it's a fun, hysteria-led story. So let's break it down. This is a collection of my personal favorite newspaper headlines that I want to share at the top of the episode. They swear it's true. Six young women told city police Friday in two separate reports that they had seen a mill-race monster in broad daylight. Whatever it is, the six are agreed. It is one, green, two, hairy, three, large, about six feet tall, and walking upright, and four, it has claws. Monstrous thing at Columbus is green, hairy, and scares cats. That one's my personal favorite headline. Police and a dog catcher believe the monster is a man wearing green blankets and a green mask, enjoying a frolic in balmy Indiana summer weather and by the light of the harvest moon. I mean, listen to how dramatic that is. It's so dramatic. Large groups of armed persons are roaming the dark along the east fork of the White River's headwaters in search of the monster. So all of these headlines and more can be found when doing a quick Google search of the Mill Race Monster. This was a monstrous entity that terrified and led to hysteria in a small rural town that is close to Brown County, Indiana. So the Millrace monster was first reported being seen in November of 1974 in Columbus, Indiana. Now, Columbus, Indiana, if you're not familiar with the area, is about a 10-minute or so drive from Brown County, so very close, which is why I'm going to cover it, because it is so close to Brown County. Now, the sighting of this creature would go on to cause a hysteria-led search for the creature that is said to have been the largest monster hunt in U.S. history. And when I tell you that all those newspaper site reportings, clippings, love to state over and over that this was the largest U.S. monster hunt in history. They kept restating that fact. So there you go. If you, if you get a quiz, if you're on a quiz show and they're like, what's the largest monster hunt in U.S. history? You can answer confidently it was a mill race monster in Columbus, Indiana. So there you go. A little fact of the day. So the creature itself was reported as being large, bipedal, meaning that it walks on two feet because I had to look it up. <laughs> so similar, think Bigfoot. So, so far, just think Bigfoot. Large, walking on two feet. The monster was reported in, uh, being anywhere between six to eight feet tall and having a mossy green appearance, which is different than our girl Bigfoot. Bigfoot's like brown and red and black, you know, russet, autumn, autumnal color. Whereas um, Milray's monster, he came in and he said swamp thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, I'm a swamp creature. <laughs> I like green and mud. Okay, don't come at me with that brown. No, no, I am green. So the first sighting of the Milrace monster took place on November 1st, 1974. The police department in Columbus would receive two separate reports from two sets of eyewitnesses who said that they had seen and been attacked by a huge green-skinned monster by the water in Milrace Park. Now, the names of the eyewitnesses were, of course, never released due to, you know, keeping their identity safe. But the, the report, according to the newspaper article, is as follows. At around 3 p.m. on November 1st, one of the eyewitnesses saw a thing between two trees near the water. The eyewitness became afraid for their safety and fled the scene, reporting to police that they had seen a green, hairy, and large monster. 
Later on that same exact evening, a separate pair of eyewitnesses in the park would report seeing a similar creature. Now, it is important to note that the second pair of eyewitnesses had no idea that a previous sighting had already been reported to police on that day. Now, one of the eyewitnesses from this second sighting would eventually come forward to reveal their identity, and their name would be Tyra Cataline. Now, Tyra, to this day, retells her story of the incident with the monster, which is eerily similar to the first reported sighting of the creature. Tyra's report of what took place is as follows. It was just a typical evening shortly after Halloween. We love the spooks. And we decided to take our dinner down to the park and eat it and talk. And we were just kind of staring out into the dark woods. Out from the woods comes this thing. It had to be at least seven feet tall, if not taller. It was way taller than a normal man. It was beating on the windshield of our car, trying to get into us, and we were screaming. Who wouldn't be screaming? We thought we were going to die. I said we've got to get out of here, but the driver's leg was shaking so badly that she couldn't get the car started. When describing the monster, Tyra stated, there was a greenish tinge and glow to him. The thing's face. I don't know if it had been in the river drinking and it got moss on it because there was so much slime and gunk on its face. It had fangs and whatever it was was trying to bite through the windshield glass to get into us. I was afraid that the creature was going to tear the door off of the car. Nothing has ever scared me as much as that. Which sounds horrific. I would take Bigfoot any day of the week. I do not want a green slime swamp monster to try to rip my car apart trying to get in to kill me. That's terrifying. Can you imagine? So scary. It's got claws, it's got fangs, and it's trying to like destroy your car so we can get inside and eat you. No thanks. I will pass on that one. Now, this group of eyewitnesses would report their sightings to the police as well. However, according to Tyra, the police did not take their sighting at all seriously. But, like, of course they wouldn't. They're Columbus police. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're like, uh, did you bring donuts? Okay, I'm not interested. Like, I'm sorry to typecast, you know, rural city police as like that. But, like, that's very much so the vibe. Okay? It's just, yeah, it's unfortunate. It really is. So, it, it just seemed like the police were laughing at us, Tyra said. And I'm sure that they were unfortunately. They said, oh, a monster, really? Have you been drinking? I said, no, it's real. It's out there and it's going to hurt somebody. You've got to go down to the park and try to get it. It's out there. Now, regardless of if the police, you know, believe the sightings or not, according to Tyra, the car they were in, so the, the car that Tyra and her friends were in that was being attacked by the slime swamp monster from hell, according to them, their car had a terrible stench to it and a lot of damage had been done to the car as well. Scratches, some glass had been shattered on the windshield, like chunks of it had been bitten out where the fangs of the creature had tried to get in to the car. So when they took police out there and were like, look girl, the police were like, oh, okay, well, I can't deny that. You know, my eyes can see the damage done to your car, which is along the lines of the description you just gave us. The eyewitnesses that had been in the car with Tyra and Tyra herself described the car as stinking on the outside so bad that it smelled like a decomposed animal and there was no way else for her to describe the the horrible odor that was on their car from the creature. Oh, that's so gross. So you almost got killed by a swamp monster from hell. And that swamp monster from hell also smells like dead animals. Isn't it just lovely? 
So Tyra would go on to be on the show Monsters and Mysteries in America in 2014 and in 2015 on a new a local news station. So Tyra's out there working it. She's like, I almost died from a monster and I'm going to share my story to the world and y'all going to listen, okay? Some 41 years after the incident, her story never changed. All of her details remained the same and were a perfect description that aligned with the other eyewitnesses to the Mill Race monster. And to this day, she states that she is haunted by the experience, which I'm I'm sure she is. That's horrific. She is adamant that what she saw was not a person in a costume. She stated, I know it's real, and what I saw is not a joke. It was not a person in a costume. It was really something that could move around. It could grimace its face. It was terrible. It was growling. It was aggressive. So people can think what they want, but I know at the end of the day what I saw, and it was bad. I don't want to think about it too long because it still scares me to this day. Now, on November 2nd, the local newspaper, uh, The Republic, would print a story titled Monster, Woman Reports Seeing Beast in Millrace Park. And then on November 6th, another newspaper took up the story and would report on another side, uh, set of sightings. From These were from two men, both in their 20s, and in this report, the monster would be named the Millrace Monster. Now, following these reports, a third newspaper, the Indianapolis Star, which is a bigger newspaper than the other two were, would report yet another encounter with the beast. This time, the sighting involved two city dog catchers named Rick Duckworth and John Brown. Name two better names for dog catchers than Rick Duckworth and John Brown. It's perfect. Sometimes, you know, the universe aligns to tell you what job you need. You know what I'm saying? And and good old Mr. Rick Duckworth and John Brown were destined to be dog catchers. So let's get into their story, shall we? So Duckworth claimed that he had attempted to chase the monster, but it outran the two men. So this thing is not only disgusting, smells bad, and has fangs and claws, it can also run real fast. Now, he went on to state that he believes the monster to not be a monster at all, but rather a large man wearing green blankets and a green mask. That's what Duckworth said. Now, after this third report was released, a hysterical group of monster hunters descended upon Millrace Park. Here's where the hysteria comes in. Are you ready for this? So at the height of the hunt, there were reports of over a 100 cars in the park due to the huge crowd of people searching for the monster. A local to the area recounted his experience of the monster hunt, stating people were coming out of the woodwork and they were walking through the woods with baseball bats, shotguns. It was getting to be a thorny and unsafe situation. So imagine, picture this. A park, right? It's small. In a small city next to a river. A monster is reported by six different people, and people get it into their pea brain skulls that they're going to be the one to catch that said monster. So they get baseball bats with nails, like hammered into the baseball bat, guns, knives, sticks, any form of weapon, rocks, any form of weapon they can get their measly, greasy little hands on, they grab. And they are a mob, okay? This isn't just a cute little, let's go run amok in the park and see if we can find a monster in the middle. No, this is a full-on mob situation. I'm talking, think about the Salem witch trials, because that's where people's minds were at. They were, like, accusing each other of being monsters, assuming that the person in the woods that was walking a a few feet ahead of them, that they couldn't quite make out because it's dark, as a monster. Like, it was just, it was a... a mess. A whole mess. 
Now, because of the massive crowd of armed citizens in the park, it required police response as it was becoming a safety hazard to the city. On November 8, 1974, the director of the park, Robert Gillikin, stated, It may become necessary to close the park to the public right at night, not because of the monster, but because of the public. The park would be closed at night soon after the statement was released. And they even stationed several police officers to, like, um, walk around the park and secure it to make sure that people wouldn't get into it. Now, the tale of the milk race monster continues up until today, although no one was able to find evidence of the monster nor confirm whether or not the monster was a hoax. This is despite hundreds of people searching for and hunting after it, because no one ever found anything. Now, an interesting side note is that an article posted in the Republic on November 6th, one of the two men hypothesized that due to there having been UFO sightings that took place the same week the monster was sighted, that the mill race monster may have not been a monster at all, but rather an alien. There were many reports, both in Brown County, which we covered in our UFO series, as well as in Columbus during the 1970s of UFOs. Now, what's interesting is that sightings of the mill race monster continue to today, with the latest sighting being from a hunter who reported on October 10th, 2015, having seen a Bigfoot-like creature that was green in appearance in the Morgan Monroe State Forest. So, if you're new to this podcast and you haven't heard me talk about the Morgan Monroe State Forest, that is Monster Mania Central. If there is an unidentified object, if there is an unidentified species, if there is any form of spooky-wooky thing happening in Brown County or surrounding areas, you bet your bottom dollar it's going to be in the Morgan Renault State Forest. So if you want to have a fun little scary, terrifying experience with some unknown creature and or get cursed and or die and or get lost, you should head to the Morgan Monroe State Forest and send me an email later about your experience if you make it out alive. Because you want to talk about a haunted forest, that is ding, 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 number one. So the fact that the Millrace monster is now being sighted in Morgan Monroe State Forest does not surprise me. In the slightest. That should have been his home day one. He got a little lost and confused along the way. Should have started out there. Now what sets the Millrace monster apart from Bigfoot like we stated previously is that the Millrace monster is specifically detailed as being green, mossy, slimy, scaly, and smelling even worse than Mr. Bigfoot is described as smelling. He's also described as being scaly, the mill race monster, which is interesting. So it's like, is he, is he like a lizard? <laughs> lizard people. I'm not saying it was lizard people, but maybe it was a lizard person. We'll never know. However, the mill race monster, if we're going with the lizard person theory, is also described as having fur, like hair. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Then what do you think about the Millerace monster? Was it Bigfoot in disguise? <laughs> did, did Bigfoot go, okay, girl, they're, like, accusing me of all this stuff and seeing me all the time, so maybe I should, like, change it up? You know, he wanted, like, a flair of different. He was like, I want to be different. So he, like, covered himself in green moss and was like, hey, what's up? And that didn't work either, so then he had to, like, go home to the Morgan Monroe State Forest. So I don't know. Maybe maybe Bigfoot got bored, you know, of his appearance and needed to switch it up. It could have been Bigfoot all along, you know? And then if we're going along with the alien theory, which personally, if you're going to ask me, like, what I think, if you're going to be like, Lark, I want to know your opinion. I'm not really keen on the alien type thing because, like, again, we've covered UFO sightings in Brown County. Um, those, most of those took place in 1970s. So I just don't feel like the alien thing kind of fits or makes sense for the Millrace monster. I'm not closing it out entirely as being an option, but I don't know. 
It sounds like a crazy, insane, wild animal. I mean, it has claws. It has fangs. It has, it's green in appearance. And I assume it's green in appearance to camouflage itself in with the, like, foliage. Because it seems like it likes swampy, watery type environments. I don't think it's Bigfoot, even though I like the idea of Bigfoot trying to switch it up. And take on, like, a new identity. I love that for him. But I don't think it's Bigfoot. I honestly have no idea. I mean, clearly someone saw something, though. You don't get six eyewitnesses with the same almost exact story and experience and identification of said creature. Like, if it was a person doing this, they were very dedicated to the role. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were out there covering themselves in, like, feces and really getting into the swamp life. You know what I'm saying? And we're seven foot tall. And we're covered in hair. And, like, and and we're attacking people's cars. Like, I can kind of get if people were, like, if it was a person and people were, like, seeing it from afar. And that person wasn't really interacting with those eyewitnesses. But the fact that whatever this creature was, like, full on destroyed this poor woman's car trying to get into the car to hurt them that's like not a good dedication to the role you know what i'm saying like you can want to be a monster and then like know what lines should not be crossed and like trying to kill someone in a vehicle that's a line that should not be crossed you know what i'm saying so i don't know if it was a person having a bit of fun that's really scary to think about that the person would be so dedicated that they want to hurt somebody. So I don't know, honestly. I do think that these people saw something. Now, what that something was, I don't know. But it honestly sounds terrifying. And like something from a monster movie. (laughs) Having your car destroyed and something trying to get into you with claws and fangs. No, thank you. I will pass. So what do you think? Uh, you know, this is a mystery, another unsolved mystery. We love these on the podcast. They're kind of frustrating because you don't have a good conclusion as to what it is, but, you know, what can you do? Anyway, that's this episode, a nice little fun little spooky one. Next episode, we're going in the even more, in my opinion, even more spooky direction. We are going to be covering something that I am so unbelievably excited to cover with you all. This was a story that was sent to me anonymously. And it is someone's experience with werewolves in Brown County. Now, what's interesting about this is that I have heard mumblings in Brown County of people experiencing something that can be described as a werewolf. Uh, None of them would go on record and give me an official statement, and that's fine. But this story is absolutely wild. It is wild and absolutely terrifying. Now, I am a lover of Halloween scary movies. Werewolf movies are my personal favorite. I could go on and on and on for forever on top tier werewolf movies. And so I'm very fascinated because of that in the lore of werewolves and everything like that. And if you're not aware, there is a lot of sightings of werewolves in America, which is interesting to me. Um, and so, you know, I was kind of like had that in the back of my mind. Like, it'd be so cool if I could do an episode about werewolves in Brown County and I couldn't find anything, couldn't find anything. I like heard people talking about people they knew that had seen or experienced something that wasn't Bigfoot, way more wolf-like. And then I 
was given this story, and I am so, so excited to cover it with you. We're going to be breaking it all down like we always do, going over all the details of this person's experience with what can only be described as a werewolf in Brown County. So check in next time. It will be the last episode for the month of October, and we're going to round out October with a banger, and I'm so excited to share that with you. In the meantime, though, like we always say here on the pod, stay safe, stay hydrated, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye!